In this video, I'm going to be breaking down sets of beliefs which are often unconscious, related to grandiosity and entitlement, which at the extreme ends of things are linked to narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, things such as psychopathy and so on. But these unconscious beliefs, even at the more moderate end, tend to result in difficulties in self-control, difficulties in relationship, and an unstable, fragmented sense of self. And I think this is a good place to start from because it's our unconscious beliefs that drive our behavior. It changes the way that we interact and interpret with the world, and it changes the way that we view ourselves. And by at the end of this video, I want you to have a really good understanding of what are the childhood origins of these beliefs, as in what happened in early life to formulate these beliefs, and why did these beliefs come out? Like what protective or adaptive or helpful element were they serving in a person's life? I'll also give you a rundown of how these beliefs are likely to become more destructive than helpful later on in life. And finally, I want you to be able to leave this video with an understanding of what you should actually do if you notice these patterns of behavior and beliefs in yourself or another person, you actually want to change them. Because I'm talking a lot about beliefs in this video, I want to expand upon what I actually mean by that. So what I'm talking about are core beliefs, and these are often unconscious sets of beliefs that we have about ourselves, about other people, and about the world in general that develop through childhood in reaction to our environment, and then are either reinforced or slightly molded and shifted in reaction to further events in our life. So take for example a child who was born into an abusive family environment. They may develop a core belief about themselves of, I'm not lovable. They may develop a core belief about other people, such as others are cruel. And they may develop a core belief about the world, such as the world is cold. Then these beliefs are going to massively impact the way a person behaves and interacts with the world and other people for the rest of their life. If a person doesn't believe that they're lovable, it's going to be really hard for them to put themselves out there and actually seek relationships. They're going to be fearful. They're going to go into relationships with an expectation of failure, because why would a relationship succeed if you genuinely believe that no one will ever love you? Then because they're going into relationships with this kind of an attitude, with this kind of a belief, it makes relationships pretty unlikely to succeed. Then because these relationships are generally going to fail, this provides further evidence that the belief is true and just makes it stronger and stronger as life goes on. And the beliefs are also going to change how a person interprets information. For example, they send someone a text, they don't get a reply back. They interpret this as, ah, of course they're not replying to me because I'm not lovable. Beliefs tend to desire to reinforce themselves. And then what happens when evidence comes in that's the contrary to that, right? They send a message, they get a reply back. Does the mind begin to change this core belief? No. Core beliefs will almost never change themselves automatically in relation to small events. Because the brain tends to want to only reinforce what it already believes, because change is painful, and believing that you're wrong about something that you fundamentally hold to be true is a painful experience, and the brain doesn't like that. But that doesn't mean that these core beliefs can never be shifted or can never change, but it takes deliberate effort. And it takes making these unconscious beliefs about yourself and others conscious. And the way you do this is through deep introspection. And you can do this by yourself, or you can do it with the help of another person. For example, a competent therapist. And as to the actual process of understanding these beliefs and what you can do to change them, we'll get into that a bit later in the video. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking about core beliefs related to entitlement, self-control, a lack of empathy, and grandiosity, which is this feeling of being better than others or being superior in some way. And these beliefs, when working in some combination and taken to the extremes, tends to look like psychopathy or narcissistic personality disorder. But even when working together through a more moderate or mild severity, you can kind of notice it by difficulties in relationship, a difficulty in understanding your self-worth when compared to other people, and difficulties with impulse control. And because today I'm going to be talking a lot about impulse control and self-discipline alongside beliefs of grandiosity and entitlement, I absolutely 1 million percent have to talk about neurodevelopmental disorders. So this is things in the realm of ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, and intellectual disabilities. So why do I actually have to talk about this in line with today's video? Well, it's because impulse control and self-discipline are areas that are not entirely, but very heavily governed by our prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is one of the last brain regions to fully properly develop in most human beings. And 
neurodevelopmental disorders, like I listed earlier, tend to either slow or heavily impede the development of these prefrontal cortical areas. So what does this look like in reality? Well, it means that in reality, people with neurodevelopmental disorders tend to, but not always, but tend to have greater difficulties with impulse control, self-discipline, self-regulation, emotional regulation. And these can explain some of the behaviors that I'm going to be talking about today. Because it's really, really important when we're talking about dysfunctional behaviors, right? So things that can impede your life, the lives of others, your relationships, your work, your career, etc. It's really, really important to figure out what's the actual cause of this. If the cause of these dysfunctional behaviors are beliefs built upon childhood experiences, then okay, then in order to change these things and shift these things, you kind of know the avenue that you need to go down. But if the cause of these dysfunctional behaviors are neurodevelopmental and neurological, then you have to go down a completely different path in order to treat these things. So understanding what's actually going on is critical to actually accurately changing things. And also because I use the word treatment, I think I should make it abundantly clear that this video isn't meant to be therapy or treatment. This is a theoretical overview video. So now we're going to go over the childhood environments and beliefs related to beliefs and attitudes of grandiosity, entitlement, and self-control. And once we go over those, then I'm going to explain how they kind of link together to form the basis of things like psychopathy and narcissistic personality disorder. So I'm going to give you eight examples of core beliefs related to grandiosity. And remember, the way that these sound is almost never going to be actually how they exactly sound to you or to another person. The way that your specific core beliefs sound to you is going to change a lot depending on your language, the way that you use it, the way that the people around you use it, the culture you're from, etc. So these are just some examples of how the most common core beliefs related to beliefs of grandiosity sound like. I am special and I deserve to be treated as such. I'm better than others. I don't have to follow the rules like other people. I can take whatever I want. I need to be admired in order to feel good. I am the only one that matters. I am invulnerable and nothing can hurt me. I'm better than others because I've been through so much pain. So to understand the childhood environments that produce these beliefs, they're typically coming from one of two extremes. There's the end of overindulgence with a lack of boundaries, and then there's the end of neglect and abuse. So it's at the ends of the spectrum of childhood experiences that has the greatest chance of producing pathological beliefs. But then obviously you can still have people whose childhood on the surface looks like it would fall in the middle, producing pathological belief structures and behaviors. And this is due to a variety of factors things like genetic predisposition, the frequency of early life stressors, and the belief structures which were held by the person's parents which were then modeled and inadvertently taught to the child. So in environments of overindulgence, you could see how beliefs like I am better than others and I am special would be developed because if they were always treated as better than others, if they were always given more than others, these make sense, right? You'd also have issues related to boundaries which would really, really present and hurt them later in life coming out because if a person was never given boundaries as a child and they developed a belief such as I don't have to follow the rules, well then of course this is going to manifest later on and this might result in the extreme end with law breaking and prison sentencing, right? And then neglectful environments can also produce beliefs such as I need to be admired by others because a person then goes out seeking that external validation and love which they never received from their parents which they should have received from their parents. Related to this are beliefs linked to the realm of lacking empathy such as I'm the only one that matters. And this can come up when parents fail to mirror and reflect the internal world of the child. So what I mean by this is that parents should show curiosity and mirror the inner world of their child. For example, explaining to the child how they're feeling or what they're thinking. This one provides validation and love to the child and shows the child that the parents care about them. But it also teaches the child that you can be curious about the inner workings and experiences of other people. And then if parents never do this type of mirroring, the child may never learn this key component skill of empathy. And then you come to the realm of abuse trauma. And rather than falling down into the hole of beliefs about vulnerability and fear, which I have a whole video on that, so go check that out. But a person might flip the reality in order to protect their ego and create beliefs such as, I survived, therefore I'm invulnerable. I am better than others because I survived. And then this comes, of course, with the assumption that nobody else could have survived what they did. 
And the way that these beliefs can be destructive later in life is pretty evident. A lack of boundaries is going to piss off other people, it's going to ruin your relationships, and it's going to lead to troubles with the law. Believing that you're superior to others will make you viewed as arrogant, it's going to hurt your potential friendships and relationships, and it'll leave you with hollow relationships and lead to isolation. And beliefs about being invulnerable can cause destructive risk-taking, which will eventually catch up to a person and cost them their finances, cost them their health, or cost them something else that's important to their life. So for now, let's move away from beliefs about grand grandiosity and entitlement, and talk about beliefs related to a difficulty with impulse control and a difficulty with self-control. And these beliefs might sound like, I can't control myself, I'm weak-willed. Or there might be beliefs about other people, such as other people are controlling me. Or even a belief about like some greater force, right? Like I'm being controlled. And these typically come from three different sets of childhoods. So you have the childhoods of neglect and abandonment. And in these types of environments, a person isn't given any guidance. They aren't taught self-regulation, they aren't taught impulse regulation. They just didn't have any of the guidance or structure necessary. Then on the other end of things, you have the overindulgent side of things again. So if a child was extremely overindulged, then they never would have had to learn to delay gratification. They never would have had to learn to delay and control their impulses because they always just got what they wanted. And then you have the trauma lens of things again. And where this typically manifests is in the realm of substance abuse or addiction. And the reason for this is because people will impulsively and compulsively seek out either pleasure-inducing substances or activities, or they're just using it to kind of numb the pain of their past which they haven't addressed. Now another thing to really kind of touch on here is the variance of later life outcomes based on childhood experiences. Two people can have very similar childhood traumas, that doesn't mean they're going to develop the exact same core beliefs, that doesn't mean they're going to develop the exact same behavioral manifestations later on in life. And this is going to be accounted for by a wide range of things, things like genetic predisposition, peer influence, or a hundred other factors that we can't really quantify or the person might not even remember. But that doesn't mean that the childhood events did not play a large part in that person's life. And in the treatment of things such as depression or anxiety or personality disorders, understanding what that person's unique key contributing foundational events were is important for actually improving that person's life later on and helping them to change their core beliefs which are causing them problems in their current life. So let's see how these factors apply to psychopathy. There's a two-factor model of psychopathy with factor one having aspects of grandiosity which we've covered, pathological lying and manipulation which can be explained by a disregard of others because if you believe yourself superior why would lying to them matter? Because they're inferior to you. And then a lack of empathy, which can be explained by some of the childhood experiences we talked about earlier. Then there's factor two, which is related to poor behavioral controls, criminal versatility, which can be explained by the impulse control and boundary issues, and the self-discipline issues we talked about earlier. Now let's see how these apply to narcissistic personality disorder. So by looking at the diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder, you can see it's described as a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, a need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. So if you recall some of the beliefs that we've been talking about, right? Beliefs about grandiosity, beliefs about being superior to other people, beliefs which cause difficulties with empathy, such as I'm the only one that matters, or a need for admiration by external validation seeking due to parents not giving you that love and admiration early on in life. By looking at these criteria along with these beliefs, you can kind of make sense as to why these beliefs tend to tie in and link a lot to narcissistic personality disorder. So let's close this out by talking a bit about how you can actually go ahead and change these beliefs which are causing destructive and maladaptive behaviors. You can kind of simplify the process down into a four-step formula. Obviously, it's going to be a bit more messy than that in practice, but just for the theory of it, we're going to simplify, right? So the first step is an identification of what the core beliefs actually are in your life. And the way to kind of do this is to think through events Think through scenarios where you're having emotional difficulties or just general difficulties and try to think like what are the thoughts going on in my head what's causing my behaviors and then dig down on them because you often have multiple layers of thoughts right so i'll give you an example of this a 
person might have a fear of talking on stage and you might ask them why and they'll say, well, I'll probably have a stupid performance. You ask them, hey, say a bit more about that. Well, if I go up there and I speak, people are going to judge me. And then you go a layer deeper. And if people are going to judge me, then people aren't going to like me. And if people aren't going to like me, then I have no value. And what does that mean? What's the core belief underneath all of this? The only way that I can have value is if other people love me. Right, so this is kind of the process for identifying core beliefs. You have to identify the thoughts that underlie behaviors, and then you have to dig down several layers to get to the core beliefs. And this is generally actually kind of hard to do by yourself because we tend to be blind to our own subconscious, which is why working with another person, particularly a competent trained professional, is going to generally be pretty helpful and it's going to expedite and speed up the process of identification by a lot. Then the second step is being aware when these beliefs are being activated. So if you continuously are engaging in behaviors that are causing problems for you or other people, it's actually beginning to build the awareness in the present moment of, oh, hey, I know what my core beliefs are that are maladaptive and I feel them being activated and driving my behavior right now. Because once you are aware that they're being activated, you then have at least a shot, you have a chance of choosing a different path. Then you have step three, which in order to choose a different path, you have to know what that is in advance. So that's an identification and a deliberate building of new alternative belief structures and values-driven actions that you can live your life in accordance by. So again, you can do this by yourself or with the help of another person. And then I would say step four in general is one that can be integrated through steps one to three, but that's just working with someone who actually knows what they're doing. So like a competent therapist, they can kind of help you to see the blind spots in your beliefs, the blind spots in your actions. They can help you to see maybe where are some of the detrimental effects of your actions that you aren't even noticing at the moment. So that's everything. That's everything related to these core beliefs about grandiosity, entitlement, and things related to neurodevelopmental disorders and impaired impulse control, as well as how to identify these beliefs and how to change these beliefs. If you have any questions on this, let me know. I also stream occasionally on Twitch, so you can drop by there if you want to have a chat to me in real time and shoot me any questions. I'm going to be releasing future videos on all types of psychological content in the future. So if you're interested in watching that, drop a subscription and maybe YouTube will recommend it to you on your homepage. Other than that, thank you for watching. I hope you have a great day. Bye.